Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to another great study with our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. And we're in the book of Proverbs today in our five-year study of the whole Word of God. But first, if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We're so glad that you are now a part of our listening family that joins us today in more than 250 languages worldwide. Now, as you begin this journey, there are a few things that will be helpful for you to know. First, our five-year tour of the Bible alternates between the Old and New Testaments, teaching from every book and every chapter. Now, today we're in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, but it really doesn't matter where you start. You just hop aboard, and in five short years, you'll make it through all 66 books. Now, if you'd rather go at your own pace or maybe your own book study, you'll find several ways to listen at ttb.org. And the best way, really, is to download our app from your app store. Second, we provide Dr. McGee's free notes and outlines to help you get the most out of each lesson. Those are built into our app as well, by the way. And you can also download any individual book on ttb.org. And then we also offer a digital download of all the notes and outlines compiled in one book called Briefing the Bible. And then if you'd rather have it in an abridged paperback book, we're happy to send that to you as well. Find out all you need to know at ttb.org forward slash Briefing the Bible, or better yet, just give us a call at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your word that gives us wisdom and knowledge. Would you help us to understand what we're learning, and then, more importantly, Lord, to apply it to our lives. In the name of our Savior, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now let's take off for Proverbs 14 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we come back today to this 14th chapter of Proverbs, and we're moving not too fast. We don't intend to because we believe this is an important section of the Word of God. Here you have the wisdom of God distilled into small sentences, and they fit individuals, and they fit individuals that are mentioned in the Bible. They fit individuals that we know, and there's one for us, maybe more than one. Now we have here, "...every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands." And I do not think that he's talking here, of course, about the physical building at all. Now, every wise woman buildeth her house. We can think of several, I think, in the Word of God. I believe that Sarah is an example. We're told that she and the other ones that were the wives of the patriarchs built up the house of Israel. And then I would put also Moses' mother here, Jochebed. And you remember that though a slave in a foreign land, she took this little boy and how she watched over him finally became its nursemaid. She's the one that taught him about the Lord and the tradition that had come down and was coming down then verbally. She was a wonderful mother. She built her house. And though she had no physical house at all, And then we're told, but the foolish plucketh it down with our hands. And there's several in the Scripture mentioned like that. And the house that they built was destroyed. Let me turn to one in particular. Over in 2 Chronicles, the 22nd chapter, verse 2, it says, Forty and two years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign. He reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Athaliah, the daughter of Amra. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, 
for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. And I tell you, the house of Ahab really was brought low. And this proverb is certainly a true proverb. You see, these are things that work in life, have worked in life. There's demonstrations of them. You can take these in the laboratory of life, and they work today. And about us, I'm sure we can see examples. Now we're told here, verse 2, He that walketh in his uprightness feareth Jehovah, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. And your walk is going to reveal, actually, your relationship with God. This is what we're told in the epistles. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. In other words, like the Lord Jesus walked down here, our walk should be in obedience to the Father. You remember Samuel, he laid this matter right out before Saul when he said to him, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Obedience is the important thing. Your religion is phony and false unless there is the reality in the walk down here. This is important. Now we are told here, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. It's quite interesting. A fool generally gives himself away by his mouth. You just listen long enough, and you'll find out. And isn't this a good picture of Goliath? He did a lot of talking, you will recall, and I think regretted it. Now, in verse 4, we have a very remarkable verse. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. This is something that I think is quite amazing. The ox is used in Scripture again and again as an example to us. And the ox was a beast of sacrifice also. Speaking of Christ in sacrifice, and I think also in the wall, the ox was a sort of a servant of man. The yoke was put upon him. Our Lord said he had a yoke too. And the question is asked, doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, doubtless, it is written. Now, the ox was a strong animal. And fact of the matter is, he was the tractor and the sedan of the families in that day. They used the ox to ride to market or to town, and they used the ox to plow in the field. Now, the ox was a rather dirty animal. You had to clean the crib out. And the way to get rid of cleaning the crib, of course, is get rid of the oxen. And you have a clean crib, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. Now, this has a tremendous spiritual lesson for us. A great many folk try to solve the problems in a church where there's division and where there are cliques and groups. The way to do is to get rid of the certain groups. And sometimes the little clique are made up of those that are not what you would call good givers, are actually good workers. They're active, they're busy as termites, and probably with the same result. 
but they want to get rid of the people who insist on having Bible teaching. They insist that things be right and honest in the church. And the little clique doesn't like that. They oppose them. They're very bitter, you see, about it. So they get rid. <laughs> they clean up the crib by getting rid of the oxen. But it's the oxen that are paying the bills. They're the ones that are giving. And they find out that they get in debt. May I say to you, you may have a member of your church. Maybe you don't like him because he's straight-laced. He's insisting that the Word of God be preached. He insists that there be Bible teaching. And you may not agree with him, but you better not get rid of him. If you do, you're in trouble because it's the ox that's going to pull the plow. And it's much increase. He's the one going to help you send missionaries to the field. He's going to help pay the light bill. It's pretty important, my friend, to find out who the oxen are around in the Lord's work. Now, I want to be very frank with you. I have a man. He's a very wonderful Christian. He and I have a lot of fellowship together. We play golf together. He lives in a distant city from where I am. And he gives to our program and gives generously. And you know, he disagrees with me about a lot of things. When we play golf, I like to play golf and not have my mind on something else. But he always wants to tell me, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You know, I could get rid of him easy. <laughs> but you know, you don't want a clean crib. I don't mind dealing with a man like that because he's a wonderful Christian. And you know something, and I, I hope he's not listening in. He's right about half of the time. And I find out he gives me some good advice. And you just don't want to get rid of the oxen, friends. They're the ones pulling the plow. And that's pretty important. That's a great proverb, is it not? Now, will you notice verse 5 here? A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Now, that is a very important thing to know. The Lord Jesus has been called a faithful and true witness. And that's the kind of witnesses we ought to be. But there are two kinds of witnesses. There's the faithful witness and the false witness. Now, we are hearing a great deal. Be a witness for Christ. Now, we've got courses today, how to witness for Christ and all that sort of thing. My friend, may I say to you, it's wonderful if you take that course and if you go out and ring doorbells, I can't think of anything that is more wonderful than that. But when you tell somebody that Jesus saves and keeps and satisfies, are you telling the truth? Oh, you say that is truth. Yes, it is. But do you know it's truth from your life? Or really, are you just being a false witness? Say, these proverbs are tremendous, aren't they? So let's move on down. Maybe we better skip a few of them here. Verse 9, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there's favor. Fools make a mock of sin. Who did that? Well, Jezebel did that. She's the prime example of that in the Word of God. And we're told that we're to turn away from folks like that and to have nothing to do with them. Now notice verse 10 here. The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. Every heart has a secret joy or sorrow, and no one can share that with you. 
no one. We may try to share it. I know that some time ago, these folk asked me to tell about my operation, um, cancer. And I was telling them, and I saw immediately when I told about in the hospital how I turned to God and how at that time he made himself re- They didn't like that. And I could see they turned me off. And I said to myself later after I left them, I said, you know, that's a secret that probably I can't share with anyone else, actually. And you have in your life something like that. Have you ever had some wonderful, joyful experience and you came and attempted to tell it to your loved ones? I remember as a young man, I wrote a poem (laughs) and I brought it in. And that time my dad had died and we were living with an aunt and there were several relatives there. And I came in and I shouldn't have done it, but I said, look, I've written a poem, and I want to read it to you. And I read it, and it brought great joy to me, but it didn't bring any joy to them. They turned me off the minute I started reading it. And the fact of the matter is, it caused me to stop writing poetry. And you don't know. They may have stopped the budding of a great poet, but whatever it was, they sure stopped it. There are things, though, that I'm sure you've learned in life that you can share with others and things you can't share with others. And then verse 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That is a verse that should be put on many of the cults and isms. They sound so reasonable. They sound so nice. They sound so attractive. Someone said to me some time ago, why is it that a certain cult is growing as it does? Well, I said simply, it appeals to the old nature of man, appeals to the flesh. It just tells you you're a nice, sweet boy, and that if you just brush your hair and change your shirt and take a bath, you are really going to make it because you're such a sweet fella. And then if you follow certain rules, may I say to you, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But go down and look at the end. The end thereof are the ways of death, eternal separation from God. And that's pretty important to be in the right one. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. The end thereof are the ways of death. Now, I'm going to drop down now to verse 15. It says here, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. And by the way, there are some people very naive. The average viewpoint of a Christian by the world is that he's a person who has a low IQ, that he's naive, and he believes everything that's said to him. Now, a real child of God, and there are only one kind of children of God, and they're the real ones, he's not simple in that sense. He doesn't believe every word. Have you ever noticed that the apostles were constantly questioning the Lord? This man, we call him Doubting Thomas, was constantly raising questions. And Simon Peter was, always raising, Why cannot I follow thee now? Lay down my life for thy sake. And that man Philip, so quiet, and yet he would say, Show us the Father, and that's all we need. And then Judas, not Iscariot, he's bad enough, but the other Judas wasn't too good. He says, how is it you're showing these things to us and not unto the world? These fellows are always raising questions. 
And if you're a real child of God, you're not going to be gullible. You're not going to swallow everything. Faith is not a leap in the dark. Faith is not betting your life on something. Faith is not what the little girl said. She said, faith is believing what you know ain't so. My friend, faith rests upon a solid foundation. And God says, if it's not a solid foundation, don't believe it. And the simple, they believe with every word. But the man that's prudent, man that's wise, he's going to test it. And the Lord says, taste of the Lord and see if he's good. Then we're told here, a wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. A wise man now, he feareth. Who does he fear? Well, the fear of the Lord. And that's very important. The thing that we need to recognize here, and it's very important to see, is this. And I probably should read several verses here. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow before the good, and the lawless at the gate of the righteous. The simple here... They have amazing incredulity. They will believe anything if certain ones say it. Someone says that some people believe anything if it's whispered to them. And that is true. And they will accept some of the most absurd things. I'm amazed how some people are taken in. And I'd like to just make this statement here right now. It is not what this preacher says that's important. It's what the Word of God says. And I would say to you, I'm not the oracle of Delphi, and I do not speak ex cathedra. I don't want to assume that at all. I'm not a know-it-all. You test what I say by the Word of God and see whether this is the thing that the Word of God teaches. Don't be taken in, my friend. There's a lot of sweet-sounding speech going on today both in the church, out of the church, on the radio, and out of the radio. But, my friend, you just don't believe everything you hear. That's very good advice I think I'm giving. Now, we are told here in verse 20, and I drop down here, "...the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends." How true that is. Today, the poor man can no longer be a rail splitter, by the name of Lincoln, and run for president. If he lived today, he'd never be able to run for president at all. And you've got to be a rich man. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that is gracious to the afflicted, happy is he. And again, this is a real test of how you feel toward those that can do nothing for you. Are you doing something for them? And then verse 22, Do they not err that devise evil, but loving kindness and truth shall be to them that devise good. How wonderful these Proverbs are. And then let me hit now just a high place or two to finish this chapter. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. You know, some people just talk. They don't do. That's all that you get from them. Their doing is talking. Verse 24, the crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. Now, the riches here are not necessarily material riches. 
There are a great many folk that are rich, not in the things of this life, but in these things that are spiritual. That is the thing that's important to see. And then a true witness delivereth souls. That's verse 25. But a deceitful witness speaketh lies. The Lord Jesus said, If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. And then we're told, verse 27, The fear of Jehovah is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. What a wonderful thing this is. Now we move on down. Verse 30, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. And then I want to take one in closing here. All of these are wonderful, but I'm just going to lift one out in closing, and that's verse 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And that is something that is important. I wish that verse was at the United Nations and said they'll beat their swords into plowshares because they're not going to do it until things are right down here. And they'll not do it until Christ reigns on this earth. And then they'll find out righteousness does exalt a nation. But today they don't believe it, but history bears audible testimony to that. The pathway of history is strewn with the wreck and the debris and the ruins of nations that didn't follow this. Sin is a reproach to any people. These are great proverbs that we're looking at in this 14th chapter. We're now, I would say, in the sophomore year of the young man in the College of Wisdom. We'll hear some additional thoughts from Dr. McGee in just a moment, so stay with us. And be sure to join us next time as our journey continues here on Through the Bible. Until then, if you need to be in touch, you'll find us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or ttb.org. And if you'd like to write to us, our address is Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Now here's Dr. McGee. Well... The fool, you see, has a lack of knowledge. And in verse 8, the fool uses deceit, and the wise is said to be prudent. And you go down to verse 11, the house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. The wicked will be overthrown. I think history demonstrates that. Look at Hitler and his system that he set up. And look at Mussolini and his system that he set up. Nazism and fascism have really passed on. And somebody says, yes, but communism has survived since Stalin. Yes, it certainly has. But there are those that are saying right now that communism actually is dead. And it can only survive by violence and that's the way it's been surviving. And Solzhenitsyn, who came out of there, that's the statement that he's made concerning it. And so as you go along, why, you find out how true these proverbs are. In 13, he's speaking of the man who goes his own way. 
not God's way. And then in 14, you have the backslider. And the backslider is actually a child of God who's really gotten out of the will of God. It's a picture of a calf that when you try to load them. I remember as a boy, I used to go to a ranch with a boyfriend of mine, and we'd help them load calves. And in that day, it was a wagon. And they put on a big board, sort of a runway to run them up that. They get about halfway up there and see where they go. And they don't want to go. And so they just put their little old feet down, you know, stiff. And believe me, you have to push them to get them in. There are a lot of Christians like that. They don't want to go God's way. And you have to push them along. And they get out of the will of God. That's a picture of a lot of Christians today. And the word backslidden is really never used in the New Testament. It's in strictly an Old Testament term. And we'll be seeing more of that, by the way, as we go along. All right, until next time, may the Lord richly bless you, my beloved. Jesus came Our story on the Bible bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story, too?